0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt. This is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. And can we put our hands together for Nikki as she leaves the stage? I'm I'm going to tell you a secret. If you don't know Nikki, you need to get to know her because... She will bless you. She has such a hunger for the Lord, and oh my gosh, it's catching. It's catching. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Are you guys so happy to be here? Right? In the house of the Lord, ready to get fed, and it's just so good to be here, guys. Um, Everybody's going to take notes this morning. I'm just going to mandate that. Just take notes. Wayne's ready. He's got his phone. If you, need to, if you need a notebook, there's journals in the backs of all the seats, so please grab that. The message today is, going, is called The Word and The Will, and you're also going to need your Bibles, guys. Shocker. Um, if you need a Bible, we've got a couple Bibles out there. You can grab one. Um, if you don't have one, I will buy you one, okay? I will buy you one with my own monies. Um, it is important for us to really value the word. We've got to have it. And this morning, we're going to be do, doing some examination of how to look at the word to discern the will of God. Um, so open your Bibles to 1 Peter one thirteen, and just leave it open, that first chapter. Um, Right now, we are in the midst of an incredible time within our church and within the global church at large. If you don't know, um, in February, Took of Returns 5, we're going to be five years old in, in February. And it has been, <laughs> Charlie's big, yeah, um, it has been a wild ride. It has been beautiful. It has been painful. It has been insane to see our leadership grow in their knowledge and understanding of God, of Jesus, and of the Holy Spirit. And how we've seen the body transform and change to see Jesus truly take over their lives. Every Sunday we come here and we are literally piercing that veil that is currently laying over in between heaven and earth. We are piercing that veil. And as so many said this morning, we are here to receive, and God is here to pour out a blessing. Amen? Do you hear me, people? Okay, need to make sure you're awake. Um, and, and what we're doing, we're, our hunger, is, is something that I'm not seeing replicated in a lot of churches right now. I'm seeing churches who are, are more willing to... Adapt to what the world looks like to make people comfortable hang a rainbow flag in their foyer then they are to be holy and Recognize that that rainbow was a sign and a promise from God that he would never destroy humanity again like he did in the age of Noah We are called to be holy. We're not called to look like this world And that division between churches is becoming ever more clear what we stand for not, not what we stand against. We are for what the Lord is for. And we're gonna talk about what he is not pleased with. We're not gonna shy away from that. Yes? yes. You hear me this morning? Well, and the, he has so much to say to us, guys. So every Sunday that you come here, be hungry, be ready to receive and pray. Pray for our sister churches, that there is a repentance and a return to God. They need to repent and reform. As Matt has been talking about revival and reform, reform is a return to the word and revival is a return to the spirit of God. And last Wednesday, this last Wednesday, I just want to take a second really quick to recognize that we had four incredibly spirit filled people come and give a word, a unique word, four unique words. And if you missed it, you've got to go back and you've got to look. And you would have thought that the people here giving those messages on Wednesday were 65 years old for the amount of wisdom that was within them, yes? And they're not, okay? Some of them are young enough to be our youth students from days gone by. Yeah, true. And what that shows is that people are hungry for God. So if those four could just stand up really quick, just right where you are, just stand up, stand up. Yeah, come on. Angie, Sid, Grant, Micah, extend your hands. We're just going to bless you guys. And thank you. Thank you so much. God, I just pray that you'd bless your servants. God, I thank you for bringing them to this house. And I pray for a greater yield, Lord, on their harvest, for continued growth and pruning, and for a hunger, a hunger for you, Lord, that we would be blessed due to their faithfulness. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. 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 All right, you guys can sit back down. I know you love being put on the spot like I was saying, we are hungry for a movement of God. We have leadership in this church that are, are striving to be like God. And because of that, we have people in this church who are seeing the shepherds do the same, and they're emulating what Jesus is doing, what he has done. And it is beautiful. He is glorified. He is coming back for a pure and a blameless bride. He is wants to take over our lives, guys. And we, in turn, we want to look like him. And that message that Matt had when he came back from New York about returning to the word, we need to get this inside of us. 2023 is the year we understand the value of the Bible. Amen? The value of the word, the blessing that it is to have the words of our God, creator of the universe, right there before us at any given moment. Incredible. Incredible. We need to understand what it says, what it says about all of the areas of our lives, because it is in there. It has a lot to say about mental health, about marriage, about what it is to be a woman in the world today, what it is to be a man and husband and a father. We've been gifted with the Holy Ghost, to help the word and the will and our spirits gel together in such a way that we are truly truly transformed i was reading um, this book psalm 23 by philip keller i think it's going to go up there um, it says very plainly describing the three the three ones of god god the father is the author and originator of all that exists It is from his mind first that all took shape. God the Son, our Savior Jesus, is God the artist, the creator of all that exists. He brought into being all that had been originally formulated in the Father's mind. God the Holy Spirit is God the agent who presents these facts both to both my mind and my spiritual understanding so that they become both real and relative to me as an individual. So we have God, the ideator, the dreamer, if you will, and the creator of all that is before us. He has the most beautiful mind in existence. As I go into nature, which is often the place where I feel the most connection to God, besides obviously the temple here, um, I am literally overwhelmed by the beauty and authorship that I see. I look at nature and I'm just like, oh heck yes, there's a God. I don't know how people look at nature and, and they, they don't think that there's a God. It's, it's incredible. It's insane. It's the only way to explain it. I'm overwhelmed by that beauty, by his imagination that it took to create both the physical and the spiritual worlds that we encounter, that we are a part of, yes? He's also the driving force, that unbridled power that makes all of creation exist. Outside of him, there is nothing, folks. And then there's Jesus, the potter, the literal carpenter and builder of our world and every person in it. It says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is that word. And lastly, the Holy Spirit. There are things that take place in both the spiritual and the natural that we simply do not understand and are not able to comprehend without the Holy Spirit as the go-between dwelling within us and literally interpreting the word, that is Jesus, and the will, that is God's power and holy plan, making it make sense to us on an individual level, right? because we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different families and upbringings and and creeds and tribes, and he makes it make sense to each of us individually. Do you hear me, people? My revelation coming back from New York was quite different. Coming back from New York, um, I was a mess. I was very torn up by the literal Satanic Prop 3 that passed earlier in the week. And I was confused and hurting that, to hear from brothers and sisters that their church had never talked to their people about how we need to be politically engaging as Christ's people. And how this, this wasn't talked about. And, and I was hurting and I was mad. I was mad. And it was in righteous anger, so it was okay. Um, <laughs> as I prayed, and I wrestled, I I felt the Lord speak to me, and and this is what he told me. I myself and my own power cannot stop the world from toppling into darkness. I cannot save anyone. I cannot save you. I'm not God with the power to create and I'm not Jesus with the power to knit you together in your mother's room, and I am not the Holy Spirit who has inside track to what God is trying to dump on you spiritually and break out in your life. That is not me. I cannot pray your prayers. I cannot read your Bible for you. I cannot go and observe the Lord and transfer that relationship to you. Are you hearing me? In the end of days, when we shuffle off this mortal coil, you will stand before God alone. I will not stand with you. Just like Matt will not be there to stand with me. And that is a sobering, sobering thought. Because in so many ways, he's my strength and my great encourager. We are here, what we can do is create a space and a place for you to come and put your roots down deep and have the space to worship and grow and transform. We are here to help shepherd you as the Holy Spirit shepherds us into the kingdom of God. And I feel so poignantly that the messages that we've had the last couple of months, that that our Lord is giving leadership The message that you, you, my friends, my family, my loved ones, you are responsible for growing up in your own salvation. You have to tend your own gardens. You have to grow your own fruit. You have to grow up into your salvation. No one can do it for you. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. God, that hearts would be open and ready to receive. Lord, that as your Holy Spirit is working amid us, convicting that, yes, it can be uncomfortable, but God, it is out of love. It is out of love and for our own good that you correct and you grow. And I just pray that you would continue to just pour your love out on us in your mighty name. Amen. The message today is twofold. We're gonna examine how we can take charge of our own salvation and growing up in that salvation and how we can use the word of God to discern the will of God. Who loves the word of God? We have got to be hungry for the will of God, the word of God. We've gotta be devouring that word so that we can understand that will. We have to be crazy in love falling out of our tree mad 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 about the word of god. And if you're not there yet, it's okay, you will. You're going to ha- you're hanging out with some holy spirit heavyweights here. You're going to get it on the inside of you. Yes. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16, called to be holy. Therefore preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What is Peter telling us here about being the people of God? Firstly, we're looking at at scripture and we are dissecting today. Okay, so have it in front of you, be looking at it. See what this says and write down your thoughts and your understandings. He's saying, first, set your mind on action. Many of us are waiting for a movement of God and we're just sitting there like a lump on a log, and that is not what He's called us to. Yes? God, we're just waiting for you to just dump this in our laps, and I'm just going to wait and I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait. And that is not what He wants. God will. He will act on a moving object. You've got to be moving in a direction to see God come alongside you and also move. All right? I'm waiting for him to show me otherwise, but that is what I've witnessed in my life. That is what I understand. God will act on a moving object. Do you want a spouse? Maybe that answer is yes. Are you listening to the people in your life who are telling you whether or not you're ready to start dating or not? Are you... Are you trusting those in your life to be able to speak into that area? Are you praying? Are you aligned with the will of God? Are you letting, if you are, are you letting your, your saints set you up on a date? God forbid, if you're ready, are you using a dating app? I'm gonna get stoned by some troll online later and it's fine, I don't care. If you are aligned with the Lord, guess what? God can work through a dating app seen it happen. There's a couple people here that I know over there um, who found each other that way, and there's nothing wrong with it. Again, done in a holy manner in the appropriate time. God will act on a moving object. You hear me, people? Do you want direction in your life? Are you struggling to hear from the Lord? Are Are you wrestling with your faith? Are you giving God the time to pray that it takes to brush your teeth in the morning? Because I'm gonna tell you, that's not enough. Literally heard someone say that to me two weeks ago. I'm really focusing on giving God the time to pray while I brush my teeth in the morning. What? They don't come to take over, it's okay. I can say that. Guess what? You're not gonna hear from him in the way that you want. God can come alongside us as we are in motion. But I don't know again that I've ever seen him act on, on someone who is not moving at all. Sometimes that motion is just hanging in for dear life. Sometimes that's what it is. Other times that motion is bursting forward with courage and trust. Secondly, it says, be sober minded. The scripture, look at the scripture. Don't be drunk on anything of this world. Not alcohol, not TikTok preachers, not on fear. You are called to be sober-minded. That means you are sharp, you're alert, you're mindful, and you are watching for the enemy who hates your freaking guts. He hates you beyond your guts. He hates you to your soul. And he's looking for ways to get you in snagged in secret sin. Be sober-minded. Set your hope on grace. You guys see that in there? When you are in the gutter and life is bearing down on you with its full force and brokenness and hurt, think of the cross. When nothing else can come to mind which you should be grateful for, think on the cross. Set your eyes on the hope that we have in Christ and the grace that was poured out on the cross. As Jesus's blood was poured out, even more so, grace was poured out that engulfed us and snuffed out the sin and the brokenness and the despair and the shame. Set your hope on grace. Lastly, it says, be holy, be like God. And how do we become holy? What does it say? It says, be obedient like children, thinking not as we did in our former life, an ignorant life, but for those who have been born again to a new life, into a new way of thinking, we are holy by consuming the word of God, having it on the inside of us and being obedient to that word. Amen? God is his word. There is nothing in him that will ever contradict his word. He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. So the word on the inside of us, we become like God. Living as he lives, obedient to his will, like children obedient to their parents. The word lends to understanding the will of God. 1 Peter 1.17 And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. God judges us each impartially, not in comparison to one another. By our own relationship with him, each their own walk, not mine by yours and yours by mine. Amen? Amen? Yes? We live as a collective here on earth to sharpen ourselves and to create a covering for each other so that when we are ready to be standing for God as an individual, we'll be ready. We'll be honed. We'll, we'll be Holy Spirit heavyweights, shredded. Shredded from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Our salvation our responsibility and as much as Matt and I want to see every single person in here every single Sunday every Wednesday every Friday morning as much as we want that until the day you die we can't make you we can't make you do that all we can do is provide a place for you to come and you to experience God and all that he has for you individually This is not one or the other when it comes to our private prayer time and then meeting corporately. It is both. You can't just come here and not do anything else for the rest of the week and expect to be the person God's called you to be. And you cannot be at home all the time doing your prayer and your worship and never coming to church because you're gonna get weird. And that's not what he wants either. And that's the truth. You all know that's the truth. It is both together, yes, Everybody say, amen. It says, conduct ourselves with fear during our exile. Note the word exile. We'll come back to it later. What does that mean to conduct ourselves with fear? People struggle with this one. People struggle with that. But it's because it doesn't mean the fear that we are used to. It doesn't mean to the devil's fear, right? It means in awe of God and his power and his jealous. Love for us. Living with that kind of awareness, that's what it is to live in the fear of the Lord. Being knowledgeable about what has come before and the futile, meaning incapable of producing anything useful. Endless sacrifices and shedding of blood of countless spotless animals out of a desire to become blameless and spotless ourselves. It didn't work. And that's why Jesus had to come. We've been ransomed from darkness and into light and reformed from that, current, from that previous pattern of sacrificing that was not going to cut it until Jesus, that perfect and spotless lamb. The blood of Christ is imperishable. Unlike silver or gold, it is the most powerful of payments, the kind that will never lose its value or its power. First Peter 1. I hope you guys are taking notes. I'm not seeing any scribbies. You guys scribbling away here? Okay, 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 okay. I can't, my eye, you know my eyesight drops off. We need to pray over that. So I'll trust you. I'll trust that you guys are taking notes. First Peter 1.20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you who, through him, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your hope your faith and your hope are in God. Jesus was present at the beginning of time, which is kind of a revelation for some of us. Like he was there in the very beginning. The John 1-1, remember? But we didn't know him for who he was. He was kind of, he was the word, but it was him. It was Jesus, it was the man. He came among us, born fully God, fully man, where his power and authority and his sacrifice changed the history of humanity. Not just mortal history, eternal history. Yes? Our faith and hope in God being dramatically renewed by the life and the death of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1:22: "Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, for a sincere and brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you' have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and the abiding in the word of God. For all flesh is like the grass and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. There it is again, that recipe for becoming holy. What is it? Come on, guys. Obedience. Obedience to the word of God. Obedience is the truth, the truth that is the word and the will of God the Father. As our hearts are purified, because it talks about purifying our hearts, our souls, by obedience, obedience causes us to be holy, meaning we are becoming like God. It is out of that purity that we can, only out of that purity, that we can sincerely and truly love each other the way God has called us to love each other. Yes? Yes? There's an imperishable seed planted within us and it is a seed that will never die. That's what imperishable means. It will never pass away. And that seed is the Holy Spirit. How we tend that seed will dramatically impact our individual growth and eventual harvest that can come from that seed. The seed, it says, will never die. However, if you do not water that seed, it will not grow, y'all. Do you hear me? It will remain dormant, sleeping, and you will remain the same. Unchanged, without growth, probably not free. And that is not the will of God. Amen? Abiding in the Word of God is water on that seed. Knowing the Word nourishes the Holy Spirit. And it says again the grass fades and the flowers die and the word of our Lord remains forever. And when I read that, I saw in my mind, just this rib cage, this human rib cage, just moldering into the earth and within the bones of the cage, the word of God, not perishing, not passing away. The word and the will are intrinsically bound together and woven into the very creation of all existence. It's mind blowing guys. I think it's important to say here that tribulation is coming, guys. It's already here. But our generation is going to experience tribulation and persecution as Christians like we have not before. It's nothing to be afraid of because there's good news. We are eternal. We are immortal beings. And though the outside will perish, the inside will live forever. Our spirits and our souls will never die. And there is a great hope in that. First Peter 2, 1-3, through three, a living stone and a holy people. That's y'all. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have we not tasted that the Lord is good? Come on guys. As we hungrily consume the word of the Lord, as we water that imperishable seed within us, we become holy. We will put off all things like malice and deceit and slander as a first nature, not a second nature, first nature. It says we will grow up in our salvation, which leads me to believe that as we tend our gardens, where that imperishable seed lives, the fruit of the Spirit will grow, right? There is watering. There is at time painful pruning. But we will become a holy people. Bless you in Jesus' name. If you don't know, in World War II, um, the U.S. instituted something called Victory Gardens. Does anybody know about that? Angie, you don't even have to raise your hand. I know, girl. (laughs) During World War II, these Victory Gardens, um, the government was asking each home and each family to be in charge of growing their own fruits, vegetables, and herbs so that those soldiers who were on the front would not have to ration their food. They'd have everything that they needed. 20 million Americans planted seeds in their front lawns, in vacant lots, on their roofs, if they lived in a city. And they grew their food that nourished their own bodies, provided for their family, but also provided for the soldiers who were fighting and needed their nutrition desperately. I want you to see the comparison between a victory garden and your own spiritual gardens. Yes, can we make that connection in our minds? These victory gardens, I want to tell you, were also called war gardens. which Sounds a little bit more intense than a victory garden, but both are significant. I don't have to tell you that a war is on right now. Yes, there has been a spiritual battle that has been happening since the fall in the garden. There is a spiritual war that is taking place. A war for the soul of humanity, a war for the soul of the church. We need to look at it that seriously. With the war on, if we are not tending our gardens, ourselves, if we are not consuming that word of God and in turn giving it to our families to consume, we're not going to win that war, guys. We want that victory. Is it bleak? No, it's not, because God has overcome the world. And he's given us everything to do the same. We have everything we need to grow our victory gardens. Our hope is in that God has already won, y'all. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Okay, all right. Got a pulse. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. At the beginning of our readings in chapter one, it's talking about the individual. As we move through the scripture, it's talking about us as a body, as a whole, as a spiritual house and every single one of you being a living stone within that house. It it calls us living stones chosen and precious in the eyes of God, rejected by the world and ransomed and made holy by Christ's blood. We've been ransomed from the old systems of priests meeting in temples, giving sacrifices after sacrifices that were not enough to close the loop on death and sin. We've been saved from that former thinking, from that thing that was not good enough. Now we ourselves are living stones that form the spiritual house. This is a building. You are the spiritual house. You are the priesthood. You are making sacrifices with your praises and your worship and the way you live. The way we live is a sacrifice unto God. What we say yes to and what we say no to. It is a sacrifice. And through Christ, those sacrifices are finally made acceptable, yes? Let's make some noise, guys. Come on, praise the Lord. The scripture says that Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And as I've shared before, the cornerstone is the first stone that is laid when they are doing the masonry, the foundation of a new building. And it is that stone, that cornerstone, that gives everyone else, all of the other stones, the likeness and structure that they will be formed to make a building. It's good that Jesus is the cornerstone, yeah? We don't want Matt as the cornerstone or me as the cornerstone or anybody else because we will fail. Jesus is the only one we should be building our lives on, guys. That is it. Jesus alone is that cornerstone. It says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Jewish nation did and still does not accept Jesus. They rejected him. And out of that rejection was the fulfillment of the cross that sacrifice that came. And now there are those who know of Jesus, and they still choose to not believe in him. And for them, he has become a stumbling block and a rock of offense. They're offended by Jesus. They're offended that he says, you're more than your sexual orientation. And that Aborting a child is not the best for you and not the best for them. It's not convenience. It's a human life. People are offended when he calls us to more. And we're sitting around here with a desire to be our own gods. He's called us to more. He came to divide the chaff and the wheat, those who would be offended, and those who would love him. And he's still doing that today. We will either love him and willingly become a slave to him and what he has done for us, or we will angrily and bitterly reject him and that life and life to the full that he is offering. Jesus being the cornerstone of our very faith is a reminder, again, that he has been here since the beginning of time. His way is perfect. We are called to be like him, holy, purified in our souls, and responsible for our own growth, spiritual growth and development. You are a spiritual stone. My question this morning is, how is your stone looking? Are there areas of your stone work that are crumbling? Would you be potentially rejected by the mason setting the foundation of a spiritual house? Do you hear me? (laughs) Thank God for the grace of Christ that covers us all and makes way for that brokenness to become something so firm and so beautiful and so foundational to the rest of our faith first peter 2 9 through 10 you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light once you were not a people but now you are god's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. You are chosen. You are chosen. Do you hear me this morning? God, the creator of all life, from a one ounce field mouse to a 400,000 pound blue whale, the same guy who positioned our earth so strategically within the solar system that we don't burn up to a crisp, but we're warm in the summertime and not apocalyptically cold in the winter. The same God who, when, uh, who designed the woman's body that when she becomes pregnant, she literally grows an extra organ that regulates the hormones for her and the baby grows an extra organ, guys. That is an evolution. That's design. Yes? He is the God of wonders. And this is the same God who is excruciatingly obsessed with every single one of you. He's madly longing for an intimate relationship with you. He's literally dying for you to open up his word and to speak with him. So much so that he chose to endure the most horrific and painful death we've ever heard about. For you. For me. His possession, called out of darkness and into the glorious light, to go out into the world and say to those around us, hey, God loves you. Hey, he has more for you. Hey, there is nothing in us but death and in him only abundant life. Yes? We were once without a people, tribeless. We've been called into unity by Christ, a holy pri- priesthood, a holy People We were once a slave to the merciless power of our own sin and condemnation, and through the blood of Christ, we have been set free. We are saved. Amen. Do you hear me this morning? Is this good? Are you alive? Are you offended? OK, good.) <laughs> First, Peter 2: 11 through 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on his day of visitation. Here we have again that word exile and added to it the word sojourner. To be exiled is to be forced into a period of absence from one's country or home. Think banishment, right? right? As a sojourner, it means to say, as a temporary resident, you're passing through, you're traveling. What does this tell us? It tells us that this place is not our home. We are just passing through. Yes? Earth is not our home. Our bodies are not eternal. This meat bag going to pass away. Okay? It's not forever. In fact, since the fall in the garden, we have been exiled from heaven. Why? We are not worthy to live there. We are not worthy to live where God lives. We've been forced out, we've been banished by our own doing, by our own sin. The only thing that makes us worthy is Christ. Amen. Amen. As sojourners there is hope that we are only here just visiting. Hi, bye. Yes. We are technically aliens and this is your space suit. You are just visiting planet earth. This will perish. The inside man will live forever. Where that inside man lives is up to us. In the presence of God or cast out of his presence and into darkness. That is the thing that people who who support abortion, they don't get. They are destroying an eternal being's physical body. It's not a sack of cells that you can just flush down the toilet. It is an immortal soul that you are robbing, not just them of life, you are robbing God and his kingdom of the testimony that would be their life. Their troubles are over because they're already in heaven. But for us, that is despicable to the Lord. We are spiritual refugees on a dangerous adventure with unlimited peril and actual monsters. And the Bible says that one of the greatest monsters we will encounter in our time here on planet Earth is our own flesh. It is literally waging war against our souls. The flesh that will die, that will pass away, is waging war on something that never will, on our souls. Trying to dictate what we do, what we put in, who we marry, whatever. The flesh will die, the soul will not. The flesh is our, cor- our carnal mind, our emotions, our experience and our personal beliefs and convictions that seem, air quote, exaggerated air quote, seem right. The roots grow deep and down into the grave, y'all. That's the truth. Our very flesh, the spiritual attachment to the meat and bones, that we are walking around with, desires only to eat that forbidden and deadly fruit. And that fruit is pride. The thinking that we know better and therefore we are better than God. I'm gonna pray. Worship team can scoot on up here. I'm gonna pray this morning we're going to open up the altar and there's something that needs to be said about coming to the altar. Some of us, we don't get it. We're like, what's that for? And what you're doing when you're coming to the altar is you are doing something in the physical that you want to occur in the spiritual. You are drawing close. Yes? We wanna draw close to God. So that's what that means, coming forward. It's not weird, you can come every day. You can come every Sunday, every Wednesday, every 6 a.m. on a Friday. You better be going every single day in your own home to the altar. You know what I mean? Yes? Some of us are afraid, don't be afraid. And the rest of us, we just live here. We live in front of the altar. Because every day we find something new that we can throw on that altar and burn up and let go of. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this morning, one of those things was for me. My husband and I have not been able to become pregnant and it has been very hard. And I'm sure there are people in this place who understand that and I know I'm with you. And I had closed the door on that happening. And that's a sin. <laughs> that's a sin for me to reject what God would do. That's why we come to the altar. To let those things die. And to let him live. Yes? I don't know what my path will be. I don't know what my story as a mother looks like. But I do know I will never speak that over myself again because I trust him, and you should too. This morning, as you come forward, if you just want to come forward and worship, that's okay. If you want to come forward and you want to pray, or you need somebody else to pray with you, there's going to be some people who are up here and willing to pray with you. Don't be afraid of doing this in front of other people. It doesn't matter. Of course, we get to Jesus the less those things will actually matter to you. You won't mind looking crazy just to be in his presence. If you wanna just come forward and worship, that's fine. If you need prayer, that's also fine. But my prayer for you is for clarity and for strength, for wisdom as you grow up into your salvation. Yes? Because we want more of him and less of us every single day. We want to see Jesus take over. So if our folks wanna come up, if you wanna bow your heads, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna go into worship. God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me forever, one moment in my life thinking I knew better than you did. On the behalf of myself and all of humanity, Father God, I repent, Jesus, when I've rejected you, your way of thinking, Father God, for thinking that my time in the morning, praying and seeking your face was a greater cost to me than your suffering on the cross. Forgive me. Forgive me. Help me to live as you've called me to live, rooted in your word, walking in your will. Jesus, have mercy on my soul. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, help me to tend my victory garden so that those around me will see its fruit and ask why. Ask what makes me holy what makes you holy that you might be glorified and that they might be saved help me to tend my own garden to grow my own fruit and to do the good work of growing up in my salvation in Jesus name God bless your church amen